well, well, well. Not the comeback we were expecting, but a very welcome return of the PFM as Deitch and Moyes team up to defeat the Turtleneck Wankers, potentially opening up the top four race and the race for survival, and maybe even the title race. We discuss all of the weekend's Premier League fixtures on today's episode of From the Back Seat. Hugh, how are you today, my friend? I am good. Post-bank holiday has been very busy. It was a busy bank holiday weekend as well. So everyone, if you listened to last week's pod, you'll know that we had our season opener with the Sunday League Cricket. And we mm-hmm. are both feeling it today. Now, it was a, a hell of a game. Lost by two runs, full of drama, an amazing innings from our opener. Me and Jack contributed about nine runs, one wicket. So not the best <laughs> contribution, but a fantastic, a fantastic start to the season and a great game. So feeling good indeed indeed we are feeling it today but the only way is up I think for our team and I feel like me and Hugh it's a solid enough base we contributed something which is a hell of a lot more than nothing and that was a realistic probability so I think we can be happy so Uh, listeners more of these updates in the future it's true Jack is also carrying a war in today so he might not be able to make it through the pod (laughs) I'll, I'll do my best listener got a very very sore hand got a very naughty bruise which I moaned about a lot throughout the entire day on Sunday yeah listeners you'll be interested to know that every time I turned around Jack was talking to someone else about it as if they were going to have a different <laughs> opinion so at one point I even asked um, Harrison I was like you're a paramedic come on have a look at this is this fractured <laughs> his diagnosis was that I was being a bit dramatic which I think was probably fair yeah, I didn't it's know that you hurtful. were didn't know that you were part hypochondriac to be fair I am um, I was surprised one of one of many uh, surprises <laughs> I just like to be sure <laughs> like to be yeah. sure what's going on with this naughty bruise yeah so Jack needs some catching practice long story short to actually catch it in the correct part of his hand that's accurate I am awful at fielding fielding while people smack a rock at you not that fun Americans no. you understand this you're not allowed to wear gloves. You know, baseball, you got a glove. Get rid of that. Double, like, the impact of the ball. That's cricket. It's horrendous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm talking like I, I caught loads. I also dropped a catch. Jack dropped a catch. So it, was, it wasn't great all round. But anyway, we're not here to talk about cricket as much as I enjoy it. What are we here to talk about? Football. We are. And no one was bruised more than Brighton. <laughs> Brighton nice. won. Everton five. Cometh the hour, cometh the man. Everyone lost faith, faith in him, mate, but not me. I was like, Sean Deitch is the best transfer of the year. I've said it before he joined, said it after he's joined. Giacomo Don is the one man who could make Everton survive. And look at this. One week later, after predicting Everton will survive, they beat the, quote, best footballing team in the Premier League, 5-1 at the Amex. An absolute humbling and you know what they totally deserved it they absolutely dominate them from start to finish I don't really understand how this happens but it's what happens mate when Sean Dyche is in charge no I I don't think Everton probably know how this has happened to be honest with you I've never seen well I haven't seen Brighton this season look so leaky at the back um, and I wonder I wonder if Sean Dyche has figured something out about Brighton a way to get in their back their back line. I mean, it seems it seems surreal that they opened the scoring in the first minute. 
just a big break and it was a lovely goal um, and yeah it's very rare to see Lewis Dunk exposed in such a way at the back so clear game plan obviously Brighton don't like it direct take note everyone even though it ended mm-hmm. the season and it was a terrific performance from Everton one that boosts them out of the relegation zone for the first time in what feels like years um, so a massive yes. result really it was incredible and I think in no small part down to the return to some sort of form for DCL as well he got an assist in this game didn't get a goal but he is an actual outlet and mm-hmm. I think without him on the pitch this would have been a very different game because all of the breaks all the goals were breaks basically right yeah without exactly. him these breaks would have broken down a long a long way before they kind of actually materialised so I think having someone who can just hold up the ball bring players in and just yeah draw enough fouls and challenges to take the pressure off and he had some very nice willing runners as well in ever growing yes. confident Dwight McNeil yes he, he was terrific wasn't he this game star boy mate of Burnley linking up with the Deitch again and he was exceptional in this game probably his best ever Premier League game potentially mm, so he's agreed. never won to score many goals and two goals and an assist in this game pretty decent yeah yeah now I'll be honest with you I didn't watch the game live so I wish we had some more insight as to how Everton tore Brighton apart but it did seem like every time they were on the break it was a 4v3 or a 3v3 um, the, the instruction from Daishi must have been just just par forward when you've got the ball and they're these long balls into the channels for each of the goals it was something special a Jack and Don special maybe and Deserby and Brighton had no answer which is again uh, very very rare I love it. Like I was saying in the intro, it really is something special because this is like these everything about this game is just polar opposites, right? The managers are polar opposites, one's a turtleneck wanker, one's a proper football, beer drinking, you know, gravy loving, mm. old school Brexit kind of guy. The style of football was totally different, passing out from the back, never never be. Never under Sean Dyche. You know, it's just like it's old versus it's old school versus new school. And it just warms my heart that old school is just absolutely destroyed. You know, what we thought was pretty much the best footballing team in the country, pound for pound. It just makes yes. it makes feel good that football can still surprise you like this um, and just make a fool of everyone. Yeah. I mean, so many Everton players had an amazing game. Like Decore, who at one point didn't look like he had a future at Everton. Man of the match for me. Absolutely dominated the midfield for most of the game. As you rightly said, DCL, back into the team, finally picking up some form. Dwight McNeil, pulling off his best game of the season. Everything just went right for Everton, and you cannot discount how big of a win this really is, because no one expected them to take points against Brighton at the Amex. Many, most teams don't. Um, and it really gives them hope at a time when it felt like they were just on a downward spiral. I really felt like we we're going to go down. And we're not going to talk about who's going down because, once again, the people going down are the ones that are in the relegation zone currently. That's the only way we can, we can look at it at this point. Um, it's going to be a thrilling end to the season down there. I agree, though. I think the teams in the relegation zone now are the ones going down. That's what I said last week, and I definitely... <laughs> nothing I've seen this Monday has made me change my mind. Now that both of Nottingham Forest and Everton are out, Leicester and Leeds are going down. I'm saying it. It's on the record. Sue me. They both look awful. Get on to them. They're going down. There's no way that Everton, off the back of this win, don't, you know, get some actual optimism. 
Think about how terrible it's been to be Everton for the last 80 months, basically. This is probably the best performance in that period. It's come at just the Easily. right time. And Hugh, I think we can all agree that we're all Everton fans this weekend, mate. Because do you know who they Absolutely. play? Absolutely. Absolutely right. Yes, they have City at Goodison Park. So what a time to get a bit of momentum behind you. Can he do it? It would be very ironic, wouldn't it? Sean Dyche, the uh, the ultimate nemesis of Arsenal in recent years at Burnley, being the one to maybe give us a chance again in this title race. You know, it would be, it would be, it would be funny. I'm not going to hold my breath. If there's one team that you can count on not slipping up, it is Manchester City. But yes, this as an Arsenal fan, you know, this Everton, this Everton performance really couldn't have come at a better time. To be perfectly honest with you. Agreed. Very timely. And sandwiched in between two massive games against Real Madrid. Mm. It feels like it's written. I see I see a one nil DCL goal in the future. I see a horrible, horrible one nil smash and grab. God, love we that. shall see. Would love that, but again I'm not holding my breath. Too many disappointments. I just I'm too burnt. I can't do this anymore. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. <laughs> so do you think race. Do you think this is a blip for Brighton? A hangover, maybe? I mean, they beat United in a very spirited performance in the, in the in the week. I wonder if that's taken it out of them. But there really isn't many excuses to lose 5-1 to a team in the bottom three, is there? No, I think you just put it down to bad day at the office. Because it was pretty freakish. I mean, it's a really bad fourth, day, though, isn't it? The fourth goal kind of summed it up. Like, they mm. gave the ball away from their own corner. <laughs> Solly March just gets cramped while he's running to like track back. And then Dwight McNeil just dummies, you know, dunk and steal. They're still they're still sliding. They're still going. Oh, I know. It was very And then cool. just celebrates in slow-mo while walking into the net. Like, that is a sign that it's just a bad day at the office when you're no, getting... I think you're right there. It's I just do like think the sequence right of it, you know. Brighton are never this shit and this sloppy. Um, so we shall see next week. I hope... Who are they playing next week? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We will see. Because <laughs> I have no idea. Um, they are still no two games in hand against their nearest and dearest, Tottenham and Aston Villa. You'd be a fool to bet against them making Europe in some capacity, but you do hope that this isn't, you know, this doesn't have any hangover effects because they've had such a good season up until now, really. Oh, mate, from a Liverpool perspective, Brighton are truly generous. They take points off Manchester United and then they drop points to Everton within four days. Like, it's, just, it's just perfect. <laughs> So they they it's just reel up, in the people we're chasing and then just fall behind. Because now if they win their games in hand, they're still a point behind Liverpool. And I know nothing is certain, but it's nice to know that we're at least in charge of staying ahead of Brighton and Tottenham now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big, it's a big boo-boo <laughs> on Brighton's part. Especially as Newcastle and Brighton and, and Manchester United, sorry, have dropped points this weekend. You know, they really could mm-hmm. put themselves in contention for a for a top four place, which would be wild. Um, but alas, no, they got hammered. Giacomo Don finally gets his rewards, and onto another crazy fixture: Leicester City. Sorry, no, Fulham five, Leicester City three. <laughs> crazy game. No one can defend apparently this week. I think defenders have just taken a day off, haven't they? Just not have just something was in the water on Monday, man. Like Trust there me. was what? Oh, I can't even be bothered to work it out. Must be about twenty goals on Monday in the three fixtures. Just ludicrous. Like, actually it's ludicrous. It's wild. Yeah, I mean, twenty-one. Can goals. we blame it on congestion? Congestion of fixtures. 
I think it certainly could attribute it to that. It doesn't even make any sense, though, because, like, the fixtures on Sunday and Saturday were all sort of, like, one nils or two ones. And then just come Monday, it's just all these absolute whoppers. I know. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make it's a lot so of sense. It's so weird. Hard to analyse, um, but teams just seem reluctant to defend. It's crazy. I mean... Teams at the bottom, mate, scrapping for their lives. It could have been 5-4. could have been 5-5. You know, missed pen from Vardy. Unbelievably, yeah. It doesn't feel like this game was close at any point, but you are right. It could it have was. easily been 5-4. It was close, and again, I think Leicester's goalkeeper has a lot to answer for after his heroics last week. Um, Leicester have terrible goalkeepers. Like the Mm. void of getting rid of Schmeichel and filling them with two goalies that both resemble like Mignolet. You know, where like they look small, they don't look good, they don't look confident, but they're basically the same. Like you could change them out week to week, and no one would really notice. Danny Ward. Just average. This other guy, average. just average as well. Some average. of the goalkeeping this game was so terrible. Um, not just him. You don't no, see Leno five goals. was culpable as well. You know, gave away two stupid penalties, in my opinion. Although yeah, he did that's so true. A good save, but again, wasn't his best performance. And Ben Leno usually is a safe goalie. You know, he's a, he's a great goalie. Mm. Maybe um, he was like stat padding, you know, backed himself to save one of the penalties. <laughs> that's another expected goal saved. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Prime William again. Brilliant, brilliant goals from William. Again, the, the free kick goal. The goalie, what are you doing? <laughs> Such know. a bad goal to concede, but there you go. It's happened. Whereas the second goal, I do think the goalie could have done better on the second goal as well, but the that was a goal finish. It, it was one of them where he's come out too early. He's not committed to come out of the way. And they just stuck in no man's land looking very small. He just stayed mm. in his line. There's no danger. If he'd come out all the way, there's no danger. It's just hesitation, you know, nervousness. Gets, just Should gets have just trouble. made those saves. And we'll talk about Tom Kearney's double. I mean, they were brilliant, brilliant, brilliant goals. Brilliant play from Fulham. They are very good at the kind of one-touch in the final third. Um, Harry Wilson impressed me as well. Vinicius was pretty good. Um and they've actually done very well without Mitrovic, who obviously has his ban after GBH one of the referees previously. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they have actually. They had a little slump of four games and four losses, but mm. they bounce back now with, I think, maybe three wins on the bounce. Um, just free so scoring, aren't they? Over. Just free-flowing, yeah, scoring a lot. They're just, they're just a nice team. Like They can hurt you in quite a lot of different ways, which is always a good sign for a team. Mm. Um, they also have the third highest assisting fullback as well which is interesting who's that is that Tete or is that Robinson no it's Kenny Kenny Tete ah then yes Tete's fantastic this season really 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 good so that's That's interesting that's all I can say you know he's one of them that under the radar is having a quietly stellar season Um, not even quietly he's just having a stellar one really impressed of him actually in the games that I've watched Yeah, mate, that's good. So, yeah, I reckon they're nailed on for top 10, which I think is a really exceptional season. When you think about the quality of the teams above them, um, you know, I don't think they deserve to be ahead of Brentford, Villa or Brighton. And then it's the big six. And then you've got Chelsea right behind them. They're in a hell of a good place. It's mm. been a really good campaign from them. 
However, we must talk about the losers because they are awful. And I honestly cannot get my head around how bad Leicester are yet again. Like, we spent so long on this podcast saying Rogers needed to go because the team was like just unbalanced, just like panicked, just the lineups were weird. They didn't really know how to like play football out from the back. There was no composure. And it's just the same. It's just like the same again. They're horrendously bad and they, they're going to go down and they deserve to go down, I think. I just think like that is unfixable when they are just that bad for the whole season in defence. They are and so leaky. And that Woot Fires who came with deadline day, deadline day in the summer to replace Wifana. He's dropped off a cliff now. Yeah, he's not up to it. He's not up to it. You know, he's a young defender, thrown in the deep end, barely any pre-season. And it shows. These goals that they've conceded, I'm sorry, are horrible. And they'll get you relegated. You yeah, can't be scoring all. three goals away from home and avoidable. Five. You know, at least half the goals they concede probably this season are avoidable. They're just mistakes. You know, they're just panicky mistakes. Even in this game, at least four of the goals, bar Williams' absolute rocket at the end, are probably preventable. It's just terrible. They're so unbalanced. They're so shit. Just so shit. Yeah. And that, the thing that I worry about with Leicester, right, is that they last summer spend the least amount of money in the transfer window because they said they had no money to buy anyone and they also didn't really sell anyone either so Fafana. they bought a few ah yeah even weirder so they sold Fafana they didn't really reinvest they bought a couple of smallish signings in January but it indicates that they don't really have any spare money available and if they go down parachute payments are only going to take them so far there's going to mm. have to be such a big fire sale without necessarily reinvesting that money just to kind of steady the ship and not just collapse into financial crisis, basically. I think they're very much in the same boat as Everton, weirdly, where relegation will really ruin them and damage them for the midterm. I think so. And they are lucky that they have very sellable assets and that will get them out of it. You know, Madison, Harvey Barnes, even James Justin... There's so many players there that can generate well over 100 mil between them, but it's going yeah, to be agreed there. But yeah, they're going to obviously if they go down, they're going to struggle to retain people like Madison. Um, but you know, they can look at Burnley. Sold a lot of their assets when they went down. Everyone was saying, you know, Burnley are this could be terminal for Burnley with the right hire. I don't think Dean Smith will survive the season if they are relegated. Um, there's always hope. Championship is a real ping pong kind of league and. Um, you know, let's not let's not assume the worst because Leicester up until this season really have been a well-run club. So I'm going to try and be positive about it, but I think this season, yeah, they are odds on to go down if they carry on. But then also we keep saying this, and then you know they'll win five nil next week, and then you know oh, it's just it's impossible to say. But they haven't been up to it this season, and I think it it jars a bit more because of the standards that they've set previously. You know what I mean? Definitely. But this is a case of being well-run in the past it only takes one bad year mate to come crashing down and no one knows that more than Southampton nice who lost again uh, Nottingham Forest 4 Southampton 3 again another game that seems closer than it realistically was um, this was you know a 1.42 I believe and pretty comprehensive at that um, and to be honest that's the end of Southampton I know statistically they can still set up, but this is it. They had a slim chance to 
gain some ground on a fellow relegation candidate and they haven't managed to do so they have now lost out on what is a six point swing that's that's game over that's that's done now yeah and yeah. Life, mate, it comes at you fast. One minute you're buying Virgil van Dijk and Mane and selling them for shitloads of money. The next, you're down and you're shit. It's, Football, it's horrible. It's it's cyclical. And I think the new ownership really just weren't up to it compared to the previous ownership. Um, and we said it ages ago, but it always felt like they were preparing for a season in the championship and nothing has changed my mind. Okay, they, they had a couple of wins after Sellers took over and but they haven't shown enough all season. Young squad, mismatched squad. Ralph wasn't the guy. He should have gone in the summer. They wasted time not getting getting rid of him earlier. And they just haven't been up to it. They have been the worst team in the Premier League this season. They have. And they haven't been like Norwich bad, but... No. Yeah, it's just a mess. You don't look at that team and kind of know what they're about. You don't know who the good players are really apart from Jays or Prowse. It's just messy and proper mm. average, to be honest. I don't think the recruitment was that bad, but oh, they just haven't There's, been up to it. They, they, they did buy quite it. a lot of players last summer, and I'd say only half of them have really made an impact. The other half, you know, 50, 60 mils worth of player is just, it's just there. It doesn't play. It doesn't really contribute. No one's heard of them. You it know was where proper, I think... like, scattergun approach where I think they really went wrong is they just didn't get an out-and-out striker at the beginning of the season now they've got Alcaraz and he scored a fair few goals you know I mean if they had Alcaraz or someone of the like from the beginning of the season mm-hmm. might have had a better chance but you know someone like Shea Adams up top leading your line for half the season he's not going to get you a lot of goals and yeah it's just it's not been great you know if you're relying on Theo Walcott at 33 to be your winger it's just don't know I just in one of the most competitive Premier League seasons that we've probably witnessed in our lifetime anyway it's yeah they just they've just been a bit thin across the board and it's not looking good eight points behind Everton with three games to go it's all but confirmed it's done. now isn't it it's, it's done, done. Yeah, that's the first done. one gone that's it that's the nail in the coffin and Hugh does raise a very good point because the seasons previously last season they had Broyer on loan and he made a big difference actually mm-hmm. finishing off chances hence why they were good season before they had Danny Ings on loan same thing Mm -hmm. so they were at all times just one goal scorer away from being fine and so negligent to try and rely on proven non-goal scorers this season it did seem strange and it's obviously a a, mistake that they've tried to rectify by bringing Alcaraz in in January but But even he my understanding he's a cam he's not an out and out forward Don't like, about that. He plays behind Che Adams, I believe. Yeah. You know, Pretty sure he's a striker. Yeah, he's a striker. I, I, oh, he's a midfielder. Nope, he's a midfielder. Yeah, I think, I think. yeah, I thought he was a carom. So even he, not really solving the issue. He's chipped in, as he should, but he's also not the answer because he's not no. the problem. Fair enough. Well, they haven't tried to rectify it at all, then they've just got another cam. Now, we should talk about Nottingham Forest. A great win. And, you know, they were 3-1 up. Really, they shouldn't have let Southampton back into the game. And I suppose they didn't after going 4-2. Some great goals. And I think Gibbs White was at the heart of it. Yes, mate. I'm glad you picked him out because I agree. I thought he was very expensive when they signed him for, (laughs) I think, was around about 40, 
40-ish mil, give or take. It's the English and tax, though, isn't it? It's the bloody English tax. Do you know what? He was he was a stand-up player. He was better than everyone else on the pitch in this game, I mm. think. There is a classiness about him. And he had a nice little backheel flick, yeah, which I think gets that. most of the highlights. Like, the presence of mind to just know that there's someone behind you in a better position. It was a very deft touch to set up Danilo for the, uh, for the fourth goal as well. It's just lovely. Lovely play. Yeah. And I saw someone on Twitter saying that Morgan Gibbs White, 100 mil player. And I know it's tongue-in-cheek. He was saying, if Rice and Grealish are 100 mil, Morgan Gibbs White could be a 100 mil player. And I was like, that's really silly. But then I thought, he's already cost 40 mil, so he's got to be worth more than that, I guess. And then it just gets really silly really quickly. So, I don't know how you feel about that. No, he's not. Give him a couple of seasons and we'll see. He's got the talent. Has he got the attitude? I know Wolverhampton fans have mixed feelings on his time there. Felt he was a bit above his station during his time at Molyneux. Um, but it seems under Steve Cooper, he's finally kind of, he's blossoming. And there is a talent there. And he could be worth 40 mil. You know, he could be worth the, the price that they paid for. Just need more performances like this, really. But mm-hmm. it all kind of came together. Forest played some good football. It's really, really bad defending from Southampton. I really don't think you can take much from Nottingham Forest on this one. Um, and maybe Southampton are the only team worse than Forest in this league so let's see yeah, I'm not as confident that this is going to be the final setting for top three not bottom three but let's see I mean I'm, I wouldn't say I'm confident but that's what I'm going to go with I believe that Leicester and Leeds are just so much of a mess now um, but you know it's pretty tight it's just the fact that they have a few more points literally at this point it it, it feels very likely that Leicester and Leeds don't win any more games or get any more points. To me, that seems the most likely outcome. Could have said the same for Everton, but they won 5-1. So let's I, not call I, it. I just... would never say the same of Everton. I've been very clear on that. All right. Take the payments out of your pocket. But we move on. Newcastle United nil, Arsenal 2. Arsenal keep it alive, if not just for another game week. And it was a really good performance from them. I think a stand-up performance has to go to Ramsdale. Kept us in the game with some terrific saves, and I think Fortune really favoured us. Obviously an overturned penalty. Jacob Murphy hit the post from about 25 yards out. Um, Could have gone either way. A frenetic contest. But we come away with a clean sheet from St James's Park, and that is massive. That is really massive. Very big improvement, considering you had the same fixture around the same time last year, and it completely derailed you. So that as a barometer of progress is very impressive. And yet it was very much the battle of the two England goalkeepers who should both be the number one England goalkeeper. But then hundred <laughs> percent because Nick Pope was also immense in the first half, particularly. Felt like at times they were almost like trying to one up each other, like they were playing horse, you know. Yeah, I felt like Where it's that, like, didn't oh, can you do this save? Yeah, I can. What about this one? And it was pretty cool to watch because they're both at the top of their game. Um and I just liked it. It was a really good game, actually. On another it's day, a brilliant game. This was this was Newcastle winning two 0 Easy. Yeah, it's one of them where if the chances go differently, um, very very different result. But you, yeah. you'd argue they had the better chances, and yet you'd also argue that we had more control in the game. So it was a real battle. And yeah, I really like the fact that Eddie Howe complained that the ball that we were slowing the game down. I love that. Love I, that. Honestly, brilliant. Does anything warm your heart more than people? They were guilty of a crime in football, crying about it being committed to them. 
And I and I had the cheek to say, you know, would have liked the game to have been, you know, the ball and play a bit more. I was like, well, who started this trend? <laughs> you did, Guardiola, Eddie. Well, Pep, he's taking but it to the next level. Newcastle. I mean, it, it it does feel like this this fixture is getting a little bit zesty between the two teams. It's getting a bit tetchy. It is actually, isn't it? Mm. I like it. I think it's probably because both the managers are in a similar sort of bracket right now. They're trying to punch upwards, build, you know, like a like a proper reputation for them. They've got like exciting teams that are on the up. I think you'll probably yeah, compete for the so. same spot normally. I think so but yeah notice that there was a bit of needle in the game do you want to shout out to Jorginho as well a little metronome performance Partey's obviously dropped off a little bit so to have Jorginho never thought I'd say this but he was fantastic you just controlled the game it's hard to really put your finger on what Jorginho does yet he does it very well and certainly to the benefit major of the team. issue hasn't it mm. it's always been a case of not sure what he does but when he's not there things are slightly worse or slightly he is like Michael Carrick because what's Michael Carrick's standout you know uh, ability yeah. don't like know Busquets you know or Busquets they just keep it ticking the right pass at the right time mm-hmm. the right pace make it look simple keep you kind know, of recycling I, the ball I get it I hear for it because sometimes when I watch Liverpool we look like we don't know what we want to do and I feel like Jorginho is the one who goes Tiago's a bit similar they'll decide out of nowhere like to just go very direct or like mm-hmm. just change the pace when there's an opportunity so it's, it looks like they're just passing it around doing nothing but really they're just evaluating and waiting for an opportunity and then they have the, the technical ability to actually do something with it rather than just passing around for the sake of it there is method to the madness even if it looks all the same no absolutely and I think he deserves his plaudits but Martin Odegaard with a carbon copy goal of the goal he scored against Spurs away earlier in the season, which is a left-footed drive through you know a crowd of players. Arguably, Pope could have saved it, but I think he saw it late, so I'm not going to sit there and admonish him for that. But yeah, brilliant, brilliant. 15 goals, seven assists for the season. He's only going to get better. He's only he's going to get better. He's unbelievable. He's unbelievable, mate. Three goals in his last two games. I pulled up the top scorers, top Premier League scorers this season because it's really worth looking at. He's the only midfielder in the top 10. Mm. He's, he's sixth. He's got more goal involvements than Marcus Rashford, who's apparently player of the year. He's mm-hmm. got more goals than Ollie Watkins, Saka, Callum Wilson. And he is unbelievable, to be honest. For context, the only other midfielder in the top 20 is McAllister. So he is really like out on his own as the standout creative I think we also have to acknowledge that all of these goals are non-penalty goals bar maybe one or two because he's not Arsenal's penalty taker so you know it's even it's even more in his favour and I think he's broken the record for most goals outside the box beating Kevin De Bruyne Um, what? I think so I think so someone fact check me on that because I'm not 100% but it just goes it just really hammers down how good he is and if it wasn't you for Haaland, he's Premier League Player of the Year. Do you yes. know what I mean? 100%. Yes. But He is top three players of the year, but unfortunately Man City exists, so he's the best non-Man City player of the year. Yes, and I think that, that should be a title. <laughs> that, should be a, that, should be, <laughs> that should be an award. You know, Man City should just have yeah. their own separate awards. Um, just, just extend it to everything. So let's, the non-City Premier League title. Yeah, well, no, fuck Man City. Before we go to the break, let's have a word on Kiria. Kiria? Kiria? 
Camille? Don't have to say his name. You tell me, mate. Don't know. It's funny. Since we were last on the pod, I told you that Arteta doesn't play him because he prefers a right-footed centre-back at right centre-back and a left-footed centre-back at left centre-back. And that has been the case. Now, obviously, after Holding got torn apart by Haaland, he's changed that. And we've seen Kiria in the right centre-back slot for two games. And he's been fantastic. So it just makes you I wonder. Hate to say it. It does make you wonder. It makes Why you is wonder. Why complicating it? Mm. I mean, he was... Admittedly, Kyria played in that Sporting Lisbon first leg and he was really shaky. So, you know, he's he's come on yeah, leaps and bounds since then. And he's not the was most that graceful. His debut? It was his debut, but there was an unforgivable mistake where he literally cowed away from a from a header where they scored a goal in the corner. Yeah. Unforgivable. Let me ask you a question. On your cricket debut this weekend, did you feel a bit of nerves? Did you make some mistakes? Yes you did. So did I. Many. You know? I think the slight on debut. The slight difference is he's paid sixty grand a week, but that doesn't change how he perceives it. Like going from where he was playing to play for Arsenal Europa League on his debut in a highly pressurised game, it's still no, a lot. To be honest, mate, I agree, but I saw it and it was a horrific mistake. The kind of mistake well, that you get dropped for. So I, I really don't blame Arteta because of the performance and the mistake itself, really, and it cost us a tie ultimately. And what he should have cleared. So, look, let's not. It's all ifs and buts. But you know, from these past two games, he's been fantastic. Um, and I, yeah, you know, it's really nice. It's really nice to see. Do I think we need another centre back in the summer? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. But he will be a very competent backup. He's only going to get better. He is young. He's a big lad. He loves a tackle. So yeah, great performance from him. First clean sheet in the Prem. I hope that continues. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Very, very good result for him. And I think on that, we should take a break. I agree. See you in a bit. from the Backseat Football Podcast we have the rest of the games to go through and we will start at the Etihad Manchester City 2 Leeds United 1 and it wasn't as comfortable as you might have thought going into this game for Manchester City Big Sam has is returned so maybe we should start there Big Sam back in the Prem only given four games which seems very harsh but in this extraordinary season of interim managers acting head coaches interims of interims Nothing surprises me. So, of course, Big Sam's back for the finale. It would be, it would be, it would be, it would be a miss with him, to be honest. So, can we all agree how hilarious it is that all of the relegation teams in that zone, Bar Forest, have sacked their manager? That <laughs> all of those managers were non-English managers. Brendan's, you know, Northern Irish, so just about get away with it. And they've all gone back to basics and got proper football men managers in. Proper 4-4-2 guys. I said, that's so funny. That no matter how much we try and progress, there's always a panic button and the panic button always looks exactly the same. It's the same faces. You know what it is though? I think part of that is due to the fact that what other manager would take Leicester on for six games? What manager would come to Leeds for four games? Dean Smith and Big Sam. So I do wonder if it was almost a lack of takers going into the you know the end of the season more than 
you know, relying on the PFMs. But I like your point. And maybe they felt like the only person that could save it is firefighters. Although I wouldn't call Dean Smith that at all. Big Sam, definitely. But not Dean. Yeah. Big Sam deserves that reputation. Sean Deitch, not sure if he's a firefighter, but he is the kind of profile you want if you tried well, everything else. he kept Bernie up for so long, didn't he? So, yeah. there's an element of it. But it'd be interesting to see... If they stay beyond the summer, I'm going to call it now. Big Sam's not staying beyond the uh, the end of the Absolutely season. Absolutely not. No, no, no. I don't even. I don't think he's up to the job personally. But no. you know, he talks a big game. He came with all the classic, you know, Sam Allardyce quotes that you'd expect. Obviously, said that he was as good a manager as Pep Guardiola. Mm. Straight off the bat, with a straight face, which is take some doing, mate, to say that and not have a little smile at least. I. I respect. That. I mean, it was very tongue in cheek. I know. I, know I he's trolling. Actually, kind of agree with him. I don't think he's better, but I, his point was he's got more experience than them. It's hard to argue with that. Big Sam's been around for yonks, but yeah, does that translate to being a successful coach? Does it? Fuck Sam. Does it? Fuck. No. What I would say though is I do think he has suffered from being who he is, because he actually was quite an innovative coach back in the day. Like he brought in sort of personalised development plans, recovery plans for like players at Bolton, which is why they were so successful. He was big into sports science before anyone else was. Mm. So he did do some interesting stuff, which is why Bolton was so like so good for what they actually were for a while. It's just that he's really just an unbearable prick. So he really suffers from that. Like if he was more Graham Potter, he would have done he would have had the opportunities. And then he went and fucked it with England. Well, he suffers from being him, basically. Uh, the same way Brendan does. He's his own worst enemy, you know? I don't know if he does suffer from being him because the whole England thing, that's not him being him. That's him being illegal. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but it's like, that's just classic him. Like, just doing stupid shit like that and, like, he suffers from just his own personality. I think he, he suffers from being a greedy fucking git. With his pint of yeah, Pinot Grigio. From being him. That's just the way he is. His football prowess is irrelevant because you take on the baggage of him. That's he's damaged goods. Post-England job, he's damaged goods. But, I mean, rightly so. I mean, if he's organising payments under the table, I don't know what he was expecting. He's expecting people to be no, exactly. jumping at the opportunity to get him back in. But, yeah, I guess that is down to his personality. Um, it's a surprise to see him back, but at the same time... Who else do you turn to with four games left? I guess Big Sam. Now, they were all right in this game. City should have been six up at half-time, sure, but they weren't. So, therefore, you have to give credit to Leeds. And a 2-1 scoreline <laughs> definitely flatters Leeds. Right? Definitely undeserved. But at the same time... I it was almost there. It was almost there. And it wouldn't surprise me if they nicked a point, because that's what he does best. Now, let's just go to the main controversy of the game, which was the missed penalty that Gundogan insisted on taking. Pep wasn't very happy... What was that all about? Why was he taking it? Because he's never got a hat-trick before, mate. Oh, is that why? Uh... Yeah, Gundogan's never got a, a career hat-trick. And Haaland, as the official penalty taker for City, as we've disproved, listeners, or proved, Hugh is eating some humble pie right now. Yeah, I thought was it was very Irish. kind enough, you know? Haaland is, above all else, apart from being a freak of nature, he is actually quite an normal person still he hasn't been sanitised by media training yet and so if your mate has never scored a hat-trick and you know leads are awful you're like yeah go on then mate before you yeah. leave 
why not? Why not? You're good at pens anyway. So I get it. And it's one of them where if it goes in, there's no fuss. But it doesn't go in. And what I like about this is that it highlights that what Pep Guardiola demands from his players is that they take the emotion out of football. It is boring. It is relentless. It is just a game of like probability, basically. And Haaland has the highest probability of scoring the penalties, so he takes penalties. It doesn't matter. I don't care about what's happening in the game. The only thing we want to do is win. And this is why they're so good, but this is why no one really likes them as well. Because Pep takes the emotion out of his football team, basically. They're just ruthlessly efficient. Um, and that's just drilled into them, even in these little micro moments. You know, they still won the game. It's irrelevant. Most people wouldn't care. He was furious. This is a good point. And this is probably what separates them from, from the, rest of, the rest of the league, is that elite mentality. And, you know, Pep's pursuit of perfection has to be admired. He does come across as a cranky arsehole, sure. But he, he delivers. And, mm-hmm. you know, fair enough. You know, 2-1 against Leeds from the chances that they had really probably isn't a good enough result for City. But look, they take the three points. They maintain their lead at the top. Yes, OK, I believe we're... In fact, I haven't even looked at the table. Are, we, are Arsenal four points behind still? No, one point no, behind. One point City behind. got a game in hand. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, we we'll fully expect them to go smash Everton at the weekend, but you never know. There might know. be a twist left in this in this title tale, but oh, it's not looking great. With someone like Haaland, no. I wouldn't put it past them. They have Real Madrid tonight as of recording, and I expect them to actually win this tie, which should be massive for them. So let's see. I think so too. I think so too. I think a last word on Gundogan, because he's very likely to leave. Do you think he's always been underappreciated as City? Because to me, he's always like the least important. He's part a of the he's a functional player more than anything else, isn't he? Yeah, but then you think last season he was getting there was one period where he scored goals I think every week for like five weeks. You know, he was like an unstoppable force. And maybe he's another one of them where when you take him out of the team, you realise how good he actually was because he does seem to be the perfect third piece to that midfield with De Bruyne like pulling the strings Rodri just patrolling the back line and then him kind of getting in the box and just being like the sort of Frank Lampard box to box role I think he's great oh he's been integral to Pep's city for sure one of the most integral players and I think there's an argument that he is underappreciated and it's hard in City's team when you've got a team of you know De Bruyne and Foden he's not the sexiest player but he was very happy he's very happily a bit part player and I believe the only reason he's leaving is because he doesn't know if his body can take the rigour of another Premier League season and fair play he's achieved all he's out to achieve if he wins the Champions League this year then you know I think he's completed everything he needs to do at City yeah he's actually had in some ways a perfect career just logical moves at the right times and got better you know every mm. every season basically yeah um, agreed and yeah he literally scored the same goal twice in this game they were literally identical just one left corner one right corner so don't leave him unmarked to the edge of the box, Leeds. He did a lot of things right, but he forgot that little detail, and that is what City do. Any any opportunity, and you get punished. Yeah, exactly. And it's so hard after over 90 minutes. But there you go. City at the top. Looks like they're going to win it. Anyway, on to a relegation six-pointer. AFC Bournemouth, Chelsea... F- <laughs> AFC Bournemouth won. <laughs> Chelsea free. First win for Chelsea since 2000. I don't know. Does it remember the last time they won? <laughs> I certainly don't. And it's a big win. The first for Frank Lampard. I think the first win in 20 for him. God, everyone's relieved over at Stamford Bridge right now. And yet, it could have gone either way. 
that 1-1 it was really locked in um, and Bournemouth kind of faded in the last 10 minutes and Chelsea capitalised so pressure's really off Chelsea now those three points have all but guaranteed safety if not guaranteed already if that wasn't already guaranteed who knows um, and yeah I mean it's not that much to report on it really is it it wasn't a dominating win from Chelsea no but it's it they just needed three points from somewhere and you know against Bournemouth that is the thing uh, yeah I mean those things are interesting like Bournemouth have won their last four of their last six games Chelsea has obviously lost their last six games so you look at it and you're like easy win for Bournemouth but Chelsea have also spent 600 mil on new players and already had really good players so mm-hmm. like at some point they'll stop being a joke club mm-hmm. and they just needed to just get a win any kind of win um, here's one thing that I found interesting right Chelsea won this game without Enzo Fernandez in the midfield I think he was injured I don't think he was dropped I think he was injured so they played a pivot of Gallagher and Kante which actually made quite a lot of sense to be honest Gallagher's at his best where he's just kind of you know free to operate um, and get you know quite close to the forwards and that's how he got his first goal just being in the right place at the right time and that is the only thing that Lampard brings he makes homegrown players and gives them opportunities and you know gives them confidence so that's probably the only positive is that he might make Gallagher feel good at Chelsea even if Gallagher leaves in about one month anyway because they need to balance the books but I did find it interesting that Chelsea get their first win without their 100 mil midfielder in the midfield and I'm not saying it's permanent it's almost certainly not but it's not a great look when the team haven't won and you're not in the lineup one week and they win I wonder if that's more to do with Kante's return than it is anything else to do with Fernandez. There's certainly more energy in midfield when you've got a Kante-Gallagher pivot. But I think a Kante-Fernandez would be a very tasty midfield once Kante gets up to speed. I think the key is can Kante stay fit? It's a great question. And the answer is probably not. Probably not. Because he seems quite injury prone and he is getting on a bit. And his contract is up still in the summer, amazingly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They still haven't tied him down yet. But... I do worry about them that they will not look at this and go it's not about balance it's about Enzo Fernandez plus one and they haven't really thought about what they really want you know as a sort of central piece in the team I'm not saying that he's bad this stuff by the way I'm not saying he's bad I'm just saying it's interesting that he didn't start and they actually won a game it's an interesting coincidence but something worth considering and Mudrick didn't really do anything again came off guess who came on and made an impact Raheem Sterling the forgotten about big money signing last summer feels like an age ago that they bought him but he actually cost 50 mil as well so we shouldn't be surprised that he did good but I think when you sit back and you look at that and you go right we spent 100 mil on Fernandes and Mudrick and with both of them off the pitch we did actually look pretty good and we won again it's not a broad trend but I'm just saying it's not a great look when you invest that much money that the team is probably a little bit better right now without those two Oh, it's kind of harsh, isn't it? It's kind of harsh, mate. I feel like you lose all your games. You've created a narrative there. (laughs) I have, and that is called media work. Create narratives, run with them, and then pretend you never said them when they don't turn out. I think ultimately they are a better team of Enzo. I don't think that can be disputed because he's been one of the shining lights in their absolute turgid run. Mudrick starting to get a bit worried. I'll be honest, he's not looking very good. But again. I remember reading at the start he's a very emotional player and I think he'll take him a bit longer I think his move was one of the most acrimonious moves 
that we've had in years and I think if you are an emotionally kind of charged player I'm really sorry guys I'm coming back the cat is just fucking scratching at the window and I'm worried it's going to ruin my recording so Jack can you just carry on yeah as for Bournemouth safe already so it doesn't matter that they didn't win you know they're going to come 14, 15 maybe 12 just doesn't really matter Gary O'Neill deserves a week off without getting slammed for it and I think that's fine he's a good manager they have done really well and I'll be interested to see what kind of summer Bournemouth have because they've got money now and they've guaranteed Premier survival basically what kind of summer do you expect them to have Hugh because their recruitment has been pretty solid so far more of the same or a bit of a splurge and then I think a bit of a splurge because obviously they've had their takeover mid-season haven't they by the American fella Mm -hmm. so I expect them to spend a bit of money especially if they retain their Premier League status which is kind of all but confirmed for now so I think they might because they they did kind of spend big in the summer Utara Vina they did spend quite big and well yeah in January they spent quite big once they got that investment they definitely spent around 50-60 mil in Jan so the money is there it's good signings as well so very hopeful as a Cherries fan right now Um, you know Vina scored again today fair enough it didn't go their way there was one question on the Chelsea side before we move on actually that I wanted to ask you about do you think they're going to go for Joao Felix sorry Joao Felix on a permanent Um, I 100% think they will and I 100% think that's a mistake okay so we're aligned there I just don't think he's worth it, is he? He's good. He's, he's but he's just like a better version of Havertz. He's a bit like Trossard, isn't he? You know, just yeah, just not as effective. Obviously, he hasn't been here as long, but for, you know, I know he signed for 140 mil for Atletico Madrid, so I guess I just expected a lot more. <laughs> yeah, I th- I really think we're all coming around to the realization that the price paid does not dictate mm-hmm. how good they actually are mm-hmm. because there have been some shocking signings for big money mm-hmm. and it really is just what people are willing to pay I mean Harry Maguire was 80 mil before you know 80 mil was the norm and he is awful I know look at Jaden Sancho was it 75 yeah. mil not very yeah, yeah. good so it's not just about quality it's about how they fit within the team as well and Chelsea will buy him or try to buy him because that's what they do and then they will get all upset when Nkunku, Havertz and Yao Felix all run into each other time and time again. Well, this is it. Season. With Nkunku coming, surely with Havertz there as well, there can only be enough space for these false nine cami strikers. Like, there's a very niche kind of role and they need an out-and-out striker. With Lukaku, oh, you know what, I could go on for ages about Chelsea. Guys, let us know if you want to bring Joseph back for a Chelsea-only pod. We'd love to hear your thoughts and whether you want to hear that and then we'll save all these points for that so let's move on West Ham United 1 Manchester United 0 whoops whoops (laughs) (laughs) awful game awful awful game United looked rubbish up front again without Rashford scoring without Rashford's run papering over the cracks they're really 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 a boring team to be honest with you mate Marcus Rashford hasn't scored for quite a long time really He's got maybe like two goals in the last nine games. He hasn't been prolific as he was when he was. It was just a purple patch. It was just a purple patch, and you know, Anthony Marshall's just not a striker. He's just not. He's just not a thing anymore. Verkhorst is rubbish. Anthony, yeah, we knew that though. Is one-dimensional, to be honest with you. Yeah, it's just not good enough, and there's a lot of 
there's a big summer coming up at Manchester United. Sancho just hasn't got to the level. And I worry that... I worry that time is running out for him. This will be the end of his second season. And can you say he's any better? This is this is the argument that people have made for years, though, that how many players have joined Man United and got better since Ferguson left? It's potentially only Bruno Fernandes, really. Mm, Fernandes... That's an out-and-out success. Definitely. You know, there are some that maybe have stayed the same, but who has really got better? Maybe Luke Shaw recently, but he was Luke Shaw Southampton before. No, Luke Shaw definitely deserves it. Juan Bissaka's renaissance is something to be mentioned, but... But on the whole, they all dipped when they joined. And it's only really this season that some of them have kind of got back to a pretty acceptable level. Obviously, fans will disagree, but I'm not saying Casemiro has been bad. But has he been better than the Real Madrid Casemiro? I I doubt it. No, he's been the same probably. But next season, I bet he's worse. Thing is, is that's a bit unfair. You're coming Casemiro playing with Modric and Cruz to playing with Fred or yeah, Tomini. Like it's kind of a. But yeah, my point is, there's no body of work to suggest that Sancho will turn it around. Really? No, but he just doesn't look like the player he was at Dortmund. He can't run. And I don't know if I've been hoodwinked. I don't know if he suffered like an injury that's caused that. He just can't run. Or he doesn't want to take on players. Remember at Dortmund, he was just beating people for fun. Yeah, he was quite electric. And that does make me wonder if it's just... You know, like we say, players who play for Brighton look really good. Maybe players that play for Dortmund, attacking players, just look really good as well. Because... It's just a system. They just don't give a damn about defending, you know? It's all about attack. So, I don't know, man. But here's some good stats for you. Here's a fun stat. Eric Ten Hag has now got more losses this season than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer got in either of his two full seasons in charge. that is a tasty stat. That is a tasty stat, to be honest with you. It's interesting, isn't it? Ole the Fraud got eight losses in both of his seasons. Ten Hag's got nine now. Obviously different scenario Newcastle are now big Villa are now dangerous blah 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 but those are the stats and the stats suggest that Ten Hag is actually not doing that good a job as well his record away to the big six is is terrible you know it's kind of like Arsenal's form away to the big six in previous years so he's like the reverse Oli basically yeah, I don't know if Man United have maybe profited from you know Liverpool being far worse this season, Chelsea being far worse this season, um, Tottenham also being Tottenham really terrible, being terrible. You know what I mean? Like, would we be looking at Ten Hag so favourably if those teams were you know playing to the? What if they were solidly in sixth or seventh? Well, I mean, you know, realistically, in previous seasons, Liverpool would be up there with City, so they drop down a spot. Chelsea would be fighting mm. for top four, probably on similar That's points. That's true. It's all ifs and buts, and it's very hypothetical, but. You know, if, 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 is it a standout season from United? Considering the money that they've spent as well. It is an interesting one. And now if you look at the table, Liverpool have had an awful season. And we are on them now. We are oh, fully yeah. on them. Win that game in hand you know, and it's anyone's... We went from, I think, 12 points behind to one point behind now. They've still got a game in hand, but, you know, we've come up six, six points this week. Because they lost to Brighton, they've lost to West Ham... You wouldn't bank on them winning the last four games either. So Not in this form. And you know, it's a worrying it's interesting. one. Now let's talk about the big highlight of the game, which is De Gea absolutely just fumbling the bag. I Now I I'm gonna I'm gonna say that it is it's harsh to slander him for all he's done for United. The amount of times he has saved United's arse. 
but these I mean these, yes. these blunders it's not looking good it's not looking good and if yeah. he wants that extension like he wants the money paid then you know this is a really badly timed mistake that I don't really know what happened it's, it just looked like he should save it didn't it I'm trying to think of a reason well, yeah, why but it, it was just comically bad wasn't it he got a solid hand to it and just didn't didn't make any change to the direction of the ball it's very weird it's just like he just lay down and let the ball roll over him it's very odd kind of thing mm. but yeah his con- is it is this summer his contract's up I believe so yes yeah I think do it probably think, is time to go especially the way that's it that that error there has probably just swung it in the maybe it's not worth so, doing because they've I been looking so. for excuses for a while I mean, he doesn't. He can't play out from the back, and it's a bit harsh because he's just not that keeper. He's a shot stopper, and he's from a different era. You know, it's like Nick Pope. He also, he also doesn't really want to. All his interviews are quite spiky about this. He's very um, resolute when asked about it. He says a goalkeeper's first job is to save. Yeah. He's very. I'm a goalie. I save stuff, and he's very non-committal at whether he wants to learn how to play out from the back. Maybe because he can't, and he's just trying to cover. I think I think there's a lot of truth in that. I just don't think he's capable, and I think it's a case of if you can't teach an old dog new tricks, and he is just a little bit too past it to pick that up. So, yeah, wouldn't it's surprise a me for him though, because there's actually not a load of clubs queuing up for him right now. I would have thought. Well, you can just see Juventus going in from on a free. You just can, you know. Oh, that's so true. Four hundred k a week, and then second fiddle two years down the line. Yeah. You're so right. He'd be an upgrade on a lot of teams. Make no mistake. He'd be an, he'd be an upgrade on a lot of teams. And I don't think he's going to be short of offers. But I do think it's time that United has done. And I do wonder if United fans will look at him favourably or not. And they should, just to be clear. Because he was loyal. You know, fair enough. He did get tempted. The famous fax machine for Real Madrid. But I, I do... fair enough, though. Yeah, of course. But I do believe... He's a Madrid boy. And Madrid wanted him. The best club in the world. Fair enough, mate. I mean, how many Anything, times has he won player of the season? Many times for yeah, United. So. He's won it like three seasons in a row. He was at United when they were absolute garbage. And he stuck through it. he was there. So, yeah, I hope they give him the send-off he deserves. But let's move on to Liverpool 1, Brentford 0. More pressure on United. Six wins in a row for Liverpool. Yeah, pretty What's uneventful game overall. Uneventful but game, but... We'll talk, about, we'll talk about the broader political bits in a minute. Let's just box off a bit on the game. Mo Salah... No one knows how good he is, but here are the real stats. Hugh said his goals don't really make an impact. He scored two goals in the last week, and they, they've been worth six points. No, no no no, 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 no. I never said they didn't make an impact. I'm just saying, like, do, do, you, do you want to go back there? We can go back there. I'll go back there. Oh, I'll happily go back there. I'm just saying, where's the standout goal? But not a 1-0 versus Brentford. I'm talking Didier Drogba, equaliser to take his penalties in the Champions League final. Where is the clutch Salah moment that he'll be remembered for? It will be his first season. It'll be his first season, for sure. His first season where he got, I think, 40-odd goals. Some of them were extraordinary. And it dragged us from sixth to, like, third, enabled us to be a better team. Then we went and got all these better players off the back of that, like Fabinho, then Allison. He was the first one. He was the first superstar player that we got in this new. Revolution. So his stand-up moment was his first season. Yeah, because it was up until Harlan arrived. It was the best goal-scoring season of all time. 
the Premier League. Right. And what did you win at the end of that first season? <laughs> Qualification. <laughs> the top four trophy. <laughs> I'm just saying. Set us up. I'm just saying the best, the best numbers. Premier League title. Drogba, right? Stats are crap (laughs) in comparison to all these players. But again, he is remembered favourably, isn't he? Because of those moments. Drogba came in to a team that was already like a winning machine. It's different. He didn't create that. He was the icing on the cake. He was the final jigsaw piece. He was pre, you know, he's post Shevchenko. He bought Shevchenko. And they were like, oh, that didn't work. We'll just buy another ridiculous strike. Oh, I know. It's my just, question here, scenarios. my question here is, why is Dropper included in all these conversations as the best Premier League era striker? Because of those big moments. How many cup finals did he win? It was like ten out of eleven or something ridiculous. I'm just saying that's that's. I, I agree. I think Mo has definitely suffered for being greedy. Some players just are liked. Drogba is just quite likable. There's just traits about him that we like. And almost him being less clinical makes him more fashionable. Same with Firmino, you know. There's just something about it. Someone who's just ruthlessly efficient at scoring goals is somehow not that nice sometimes. But Mo has now scored nine goals in a row. Anfield's new record. And 100 Anfield goals as well. And he's got 30 no goals one, this season, mate. No one can argue with the stats. And I, I don't want people to take this as Mo slander. I just wanted to make the point, you know, like because he isn't looked as his favourite he's overlooked for where he should be in terms of his stats I don't yes, think anyone can deny that he has now got the same number of club goals as Gerard. so he's second on the all time Premier League list now which is pretty crazy obviously there's no way he's getting to first but he's definitely one of the all time greats maybe potentially there's a big shout potentially the greatest winger that's played in the Prem I think he's got to be mentioned in the conversation. Actually, it'd be hard, it'd be wrong not to have him there. Do I think if we put it to a public opinion poll, would he be voted? I don't think he would. And he definitely. It's would. strange. It's strange. Is it xenophobia? Is it something deeper? Is it just because he's greedy? Who knows? But you know, people look at Mane more favourably than they do do at Salah as a neutral. Yeah, it, it's a weird one. It's a weird Again, one. Again, he does look clumsy at times, but you can't argue with the stats. And you know we'll look back and realise how good he was when it's all over that's just the way agreed now we are pressed for time but there is a segment that we wish to bring up but let's be snappy Liverpool boo the national anthem why is that? well let me give you my thoughts and by the way before we start I don't necessarily agree with it but here, are, here is here is what's gone on here I think firstly the Liverpool players didn't sing the anthem Let's actually break that down. It's the English national anthem. The only non-Scouts player in the squad was Hendo, really. And he did sing it. So that's fair. You can't expect that. Trent Alexander-Arnold and Curtis Jones were on the pitch. They have a different relationship as do Liverpool in general with the monarchy. So it's not as surprising as it looks that no one did it. But the booing from the fans. Why did that happen? Here's some thoughts. And these are my opinions. But these are also widely shared opinions, I think generally so overall historically Liverpool have a very bad relationship with the ruling class and the general sort of governing establishment in the UK and the, a large reason for that is the scapegoating of Liverpool fans after the Hillsborough disaster so for about 30 years until a few years ago all the media 
all of the kind of government bodies, particularly the Conservatives, had said that it was the fans' fault. The fans had basically killed other fans by bundling in, when in fact it was the police's fault. And so it's meant that Liverpool as a city has always been very left-leaning, which is why there were boos at the Everton game as well. They have a massive dislike for the Conservatives. And Liverpool has some of the lowest standards of living and the highest food bank usage in the UK. So when you really hate the upper class and you really hate, you know, the Conservative government, which is what the upper class, you know, stand for, why would you then not protest against, you know, this obscene coronation gesture of these people who have no regard for you and have historically, you know, kind of destroyed your standards of living? It's very similar to Scotland. You're told to worship people that have no interest in you or supporting you. Why should you? You have a right to protest. And so I think we should be appreciative that they did protest and boo because that is a right of people, civil disobedience. And the Conservative government have decided to make a ban on protests in general. All the more reason to protest. And so do I agree with the booing? Not necessarily, but I think it's kind of nice in a way that people are willing to stand up and boo things they don't agree with in a country where we should do that a lot more often as our rights are taken away. So that's my general thoughts on it and why it's happened. I don't know if I agree, but I can understand it. The optics of the whole thing don't look great when people are struggling, you know, to eat basically. And we're spending all this money on fucking fireworks and marches and bullshit. So there you have it, folks. Liverpool, offended by everything, ashamed by nothing. Moving on. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I stole that from Twitter. That's what the anti-Liverpool people say. I had to say it. I actually agree. I think yeah. the reason why it rankles so much is because this country doesn't really not toe the line. And we are very kind of, you know, just agreeable to anything that's set out by this shitey government. So, yeah, I also, I think truthfully, as Southerners who have absolutely no relation to Liverpool, we simply don't understand the bad feeling. And I, I wouldn't want to comment on it. So... There you go. We just move on. <laughs> Tottenham Hotspur 1, Crystal Palace nil. I watched this game. It was crap. Harry Kane scores at the back post. Is there much more to say? I just don't know. No. Let's just talk about Harry Kane and then move on. Sounds 26 good. goals, three assists in the Premier League this season. 26 goals? That would have won 26 Premier League He's goals. He's got 26 goals. the Golden Boo. Basically, I think eight of the last 10 years or something ridiculous Bloody like that. hell. He scored 26. Yeah, he's having an actual world-class season, That's which insane. is masked why Tottenham appear to be bad, but their points appear to be good. It's 100% down to Harry Kane. That's the only thing that's happening. He is having one of his best ever seasons. Oh my God, this is his circus. best season since 2017-18, and it's just completely gone on the radar for me. He will get Shearer's record. Will he stay at Spurs, Jack? Yes or no? Yes. I agree. And it's so sad. I just think it's too late yeah. for him to leave now. I think there's not enough... T- I feel like the City boat's... Well, the City boat's clearly passed now that Haaland's gone to City. And I think that's the yeah. only team he was really interested in joining other than Spurs. I think, for me, the only moves that could make sense... And if he makes any of these moves, he'll get 50 goals plus. He'll be in that, that Lewandowski-Benzema bracket where they're just bagging goals left, right, centre. Oh, 100. By Munich, they're still playing super moting up front. They've got a lot of busy wingers. I can see it. They're not, they're not, you know, they don't mind buying someone who's a little older, as they did with Mane. Madrid, to replace Benzema, he's 36. Maybe, 
there's not that many good strikers who don't play for clubs that are direct rivals of Madrid. No, but he wants the Prem record. I just don't see him leaving for Bayern. There's just no- or Man United, which seems the most logical, but perhaps the most underwhelming because he still might not win anything. I know, ooh, I know, they're in two cup finals, but more chances. I feel like if Harry Kane is going to move from Tottenham, he might actually want some like league titles and you know Champions League contention. I not sure this is what I, I think he'll stay. A legacy and get an FA Cup. I think he'll stay for another season till his contract's due to end and then depending on where Tottenham are I can't see he'll either extend if he feels like it's worth it or he will jump ship a bit like RVP when he left for mm-hmm. for Man United that kind of transfer so yeah but I do think he's going to break the record now because earlier in the season I was a bit doubtful but if he's hit 26 this season on a very underwhelming Tottenham side then there's no reason why he can't get to 260 I think he's only got to get about 50 plus more so 51 to go mate to match the record two more seasons at this rate can he do it I'm sure he can because he loves goals he definitely can he loves goals he loves goals he absolutely loves them he does love and goals and that's probably enough Ryan Mason's done alright will he get the job nah does it matter no nah. we're next for Ryan Mason championship there we go no 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 back to just being at Tottenham you think he'll just be a permanent member of the staff just, just the, to take just over the, when it goes wrong yeah just the backup. I reckon alright on to the last game Wolverhampton Wanderers 1 Aston Villa nil. guys I'm just going to throw it out there I am a bloody psychic what did I say Ollie Watkins is finished now for the season <laughs> 4 goals without a game the last time he had a goal drought this long he went 7 games without a goal he's already over 50% of the way there so there you go you Wolves have it in against Ollie. What, do you, what do you what do you what do you have against Ollie Watkins <laughs> It's not about Ollie Watkins, Hugh. It's about reading the room and just being aware that it's not real. This is you know? this is ridiculous. What have you got against him? <laughs> Come on. What has Ollie Watkins done He's to not you? that good. He's just not that good. And I just don't want anyone to think he's that good. He's very <laughs> so, average. So harsh. He is average. He's average. Every game he doesn't score, he gets, he gets a shout-out. And he will continue to get it. Every game he doesn't Mate, score. Where did Darwin Nunes last score? I'd love to know. It doesn't matter. We know that he's rogue. We know that. I never <laughs> said Darwin Nunes what was good. Fuck? He is fun. When did Gakpo last score? Right. When did, when did Gabriel oh. Jesus last score? Why are we being so harsh to him? It's because... He had the audacity to score for about 10 games in a row and make us think that he was the best striker in the world. That's not acceptable. That's not okay. You can't trick us like that into thinking he's really good. Oh, man. Ollie Watkins. I'm sorry, bro. I honestly don't know where this slander's coming from. But he's right. I just don't like I, don't, I just don't like it. I don't, don't like, like Aston Villa because they battered us 7-2 and I don't, I'm not a fan anymore <laughs> and we play Aston Villa on the last game of the season so Ollie, if you listen I'll see you there mate I'll see you there when you score a hat trick and we will and all us back be into there fifth. we will all be there when he scores that hat trick it's meant to be um, it is meant to be <laughs> back so to I'm the getting game. my jabs in now Sorry, back to the game it's not all about Ollie Watkins um, a bit underwhelming this really from Aston Villa do you think you that go. maybe it- the balloons burst a little bit it's just like Rashford, mate, at Man United. Ollie Watkins' ridiculous goal-scoring run was covering over some stuff. It's not a big deal. They won too many games in a row. It was not. It was not realistic. It wasn't sustainable. It's okay. They only lost one nil. It's not like they got smashed five-one. No, but against the Wolves side that struggled to score, we do wonder if they could have done a lot better here. And they just really didn't create yeah. much this game. I think 
The no, slump is good. here for Aston Villa. Can Unai Emery just maintain a bit of momentum to keep them in that top seven race until the end of the season? We'll see. I don't really know. It's very Have competitive. You know, Wolves are safe now. They've done it. And Villa, I think they're still in a pretty good place overall. I don't think, even if they lose the last four games, I don't think it's a big deal. They've already shown more than enough for next season and they're very ambitious. I mean, it's worth um, mentioning... His- Oh, sorry. Yes. No, I, no, no. You go. I'm going to move us forward otherwise. It was worth mentioning that uh, Wolves won this with six shots, two on target and 38% possession. So maybe maybe it was a, just one of them days, you know. Classic Wolves, mate. The lover counter. Mm. Um, the rogue rumour of the day award goes to this. Barcelona are considering Wolves' offer of €30 million Euros plus Ruben Neves for Ansu Fati. I can't get my head around what I'm reading <laughs> but Barcelona with Barcelona involved I don't rule anything out these days that I haven't heard that and that is absolutely nutty I can only think that Ruben has communicated that he is not going to re-sign um, and it seems like they don't like Ansu Fati at Barcelona anymore yeah mm. but to my mind Ansu Fati two years ago was what Musiala is right now one of the best young players in the world that we don't see very much so we assume they're better than they are but still in the top 10 best well, teenagers in the world well no poor guys just suffered so many ACLs and just injuries that any any hype has been diminished unfortunately what a fall from grace to end up at Wolves you know I mean Guedes came and went he was awful look at Semedo goodness me this has got like Renato Sanchez at Swansea all over it oh. just like it makes you feel like it's a coup and they just hate it every second of it and they don't want to be there yeah I can't see Ansu Fati working out in the Premier League if he's just getting that injured in, in La Liga but Ruben Neves no. could completely see in Barcelona's midfield and it's worth saying that he is out of contract next summer so he's great you know getting Ansu Fati plus 30 mil it, it, I don't know that still doesn't seem like a great deal to be honest like it just doesn't seem like a great deal but um, yeah I'd love to see that happen that'd be fucking weird wouldn't it so weird just yeah I don't know it spun my head a bit and last random thing which you will probably know a lot more about any other business yes I've got some business how many goals has Lacazette got for Leon this season I actually know this. He's top scorer and he's got 24. 24. And how many did he get last season for Arsenal? Like three, four. Who is the Farmers League? Because Haaland has... He's, he's blown it all out of the water. But Lacazette has the same number of goals as Mbappe. Yes, it is a bit bizarre. And I have to say, I don't know how I quite feel about that. Was Lacazette just... Does he just... Did he just not give a fuck at Arsenal? like we signed him he was prolific when we signed him and then he became non-prolific and then he's gone back and now he's prolific again at Leon. so it doesn't, doesn't maybe say a lot about the, yeah the league just suits him better or maybe he just you know the London lifestyle just engulfed him and you know we've seen it happen to many a player anyway Lacazette has scammed us basically out of 50 mil and I'm, it, I'm not happy yeah. about it that <laughs> Those two transfers of Aubameyang and Lacazette have really not aged well for Arsenal. Well, Bammers. I'll take Bammers, for sure. Yeah, but the fact that you've got no money for either of them and now Lacazette is making mockery as well. 
Yes, that we we need to learn from not being able to sell faux show. But I certainly don't Hilarious. regret Bammers. But that's for another pod for another time. We are so over where we need to be. But guys, it has been such a big week of Premier League football. We've done our best. We're absolutely knackered. Yeah. And I think that is where we're going to leave it. Now, me and Jack are off to Berlin later this week. So the pod will be a bit late next week. We may even be more tired than we were on this one. It's very late. <laughs> it, yeah, it will be long, incoherent and borderline unlistenable. So please tune in and enjoy yeah. Yeah. next week. Um, give us you'll love it you'll love it give us the ratings and all the platforms and that we have really enjoyed this season we're going to see it to the end and it's been a real learning curve I don't know if I can speak for you you as well Jack but a lot has been learned yeah. definitely don't do a World Cup and try and do every game no big mistake <laughs> god, no. god no 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 that was truly hellish next that borderline made me want to give up on football yeah that experience next next Euros we're going to figure out a better way we're going to figure out a better way. Yes. 100%. Um, but yeah, follow the socials from the backseat football. Get in touch with us at our email address and have a great, have a great week. Yeah, really? Absolutely. Enjoy the Real Madrid City game tonight. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.